This episode of the Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United. Since 2019, Sales Leadership United has grown to become the largest collection of sales leadership assets in the world. Check out salesleadershipunited.com and tap into tools used by elite sales leaders worldwide. Accelerate your leadership development. Solve modern sales challenges. Use fully prepped sales meetings in your next team meeting. Thousands of hours of sales leadership materials indexed and searchable with a single click. Create your own personal sales leadership library. Head to salesleadershipunited.com and use the code ROB at signup to get a free trial on me. Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth from the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders who are taking what the market gives and then some. This show features leaders of teams who are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and creating life-changing years for the people they lead. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United, the world's largest collection of sales leadership assets. Be sure to check out the all-new salesleadershipunited.com. Fast-track your sales leadership development, gain insights into how other sales leaders are solving challenges similar to the ones you face, and tap into over 400 leadership topics, hundreds of video insights, battle-tested leadership frameworks, and new material that comes out every single week. Sales Leadership United is the easiest investment in yourself you'll ever make. Head to salesleadershipunited.com, use the code ROB at signup, and get a free trial on me. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders who are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Baylor, we have an awesome one. We have Philip Hum all the way from uh, the Netherlands. And right now he's on holiday in South America, working on a Spanish, I suspect. And uh, how is your Spanish, Philip? Uh, it's pretty fluent. It's... Is it really? How many languages do you speak? I speak five languages. I speak no. uh, hey. Portuguese, Spanish, Dutch, German, and English. <laughs> I'm still working on my English. Now, Baylor is good at Spanish. He lived in the Dominican Republic for a while. And so he he uh, he could go back and forth on the Spanish with you, but not me. So, <laughs> all right. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, Baylor, here we go. On my mark, three, two, and one. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. I hope you're off to a fast 2024 and on your way to engineering the greatest year in your company's history. Thank you for your support of the show. Thank you for all the DMs sharing on how the show is helping you in your career. And today, well, it's going to be another good one that you're going to thank me for, I think. Today, we're going to discuss one of the most important skills that salespeople need to have. I'm talking about storytelling. And our guest today, Philip Hum, he's one of the best in the business. Philip is the founder of The Power of Storytelling. He's helped thousands of sellers, leaders, and business leaders use stories to build trust, stand out, inspire in business, and engineer the greatest years of their career. Philip works with some of the most iconic organizations in the world, helping them use storytelling to make a difference. Organizations like Google, Visa, Oracle, Oracle, Eon, and many more depend on Philip and his training to equip their customer-facing teams worldwide. Last year, he released his book that became a bestseller. The book is The Story-Selling Method. I personally am really excited to have him share some of it with us today with our worldwide audience. 
If you can't tell, I'm pumped to get after this. This is going to be a really important episode. This is going to be one you're going to want to listen to more than once. And so without further ado, Philip, welcome to the show and thanks for joining me, man. Thanks for having you, Rob. It's going to be a fun one. I I, I appreciate, uh, we've been working a long time to put this one together. And uh, as we've been putting it together, your book has been just flying off the shelves. I, I believe you hit some bestseller statuses along the way. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. I think just this month we hit the 10,000 copy sold mark. So big, big milestone there. <laughs> Congratulations. I hope you go celebrate appropriately, man. Um, why don't we start by introducing you to, we got 50,000 listeners around the world who are going to be excited to hear what you have to say. Why don't you start by introducing us to your firm and, and what you guys do for your customers? Sure. Yeah. What we do is we help sellers, leaders, and entrepreneurs around the world tell better stories. At the end, stories to build trust, to stand out, and most of the times as well to boost revenues. And yeah, there we've been lucky to work with some of the larger companies in the world, but also some smaller companies as well. And yeah, I feel very fortunate to have this as a business because I firmly believe that we can help unleash anyone in the world become a better storyteller. I can't wait to to get into what it means to be a storyteller. But before we do, I got to ask you a question that I ask almost, not almost, I think every guest in five years. Why sales? What drew you to sales? Like, I still am looking for that first person that said I was going to be in sales when I grew up. And uh, I thought that maybe one of my children might be one of those people, but I don't think that's going to happen. So, so what drew you to the greatest profession in the world? <laughs> uh, for me, it actually happened a couple of years back. Um, when I when I started to get it used to a little bit more with storytelling, I decided to try it out in one of my sales conversations. Back then, it was more looking for strategy roles. And in one of these conversations, I I'd met with the C, uh, it was the COO of the certification company. And in that call, I thought, hey, let me try out the stories, right? They, they probably work. And in that call, uh, it went really well. It went really well. But half an hour in, the CEO asked me questions about, what what made me so unique? And I thought, wow, bingo, right? This is the time to share a story. So I went into a story and I thought this would be great. But somehow, I don't know what happened, but the CEO just started to look away. He started to feel really uncomfortable about it. And so after I shared my story, the CEO just said, all right, uh, thank you. Well, that's everything for it. And um, he just left the call. And immediately I called my sister and I asked her, because she has been in sales for a few years, what was going on there? And my sister told me, well, Philip, this is sales, right? This is not big storytelling. You need shorter, more concise stories if you want to use stories in your sales conversations. And that's what got me started in storytelling and sales. Because what I realized back then is the storytelling, how I had learned it, wasn't useful for sales was used for a big TED type of storytelling, but not for sales. And so after that, I started looking into it. And yeah, by then I've interviewed 71 sales leaders on how they use um, stories in their sales conversations. And I took all of these best practices. Wow. And, um, yeah, started to apply them and as well then to teach others on these best practices. So I can't wait. I hope we'll get into some of those best practices of storytelling today. It's going to be awesome. Let's start by, we've used the word storytelling. I used it in the introduction. You've used it four or five times already, brother. I would imagine that storytelling has different definitions for different people. What's the storytelling mean to you? Like mm -hmm. when you start with that, what's, what is storytelling? 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. For me, this is just something interesting that happens to a specific person and not a company, in my def definition. It is often, yeah, a series of events. I would say 99% if it's a decent story has a challenge in there, but that's pretty much it. I wouldn't overcomplicate it too much. So if that's what storytelling is, why is it so important right now for a salesperson? I, I, I'm telling you, I have my own thoughts. I can't wait because I'm not very good at being quiet, Phil. <laughs> but um, but uh, you've built a really successful business around this. Like mm -hmm. companies that make you stop and take notice, like companies we all know, they're, they're hiring you and, and asking you to equip those members of their team. Why is storytelling something that leaders, and we've got 50,000 of them listening right now, why is this something leaders need to be paying attention to right now? Mm -hmm. Got it. Yeah. Especially for leaders and also for sellers. What happens often, we, um, especially in sales, what we do is we say something like to a customer, oh, we're the graders. We're the market leader for XYZ. We're da, da. We say all these blank statements, both as sellers and as leaders. And at the end, anyone could say that, Right. Our competitors, they say exactly the same thing. Anyone is at the end of some um, leader in something. So if you just say these blank statements, well, you're not being memorable in any way. They won't, you won't stand out. So stories help you stand out from others. By sharing a story, you're, you're a customer. They will remember you a day, a week, a month, a year later because of the story that you told them. I really like how you said that you stand out with stories. You don't stand out with claims, right? Like exactly. there's a, there's a lot of people that want to do the, th the chest thumping. And if those people are watching the, some of the clips on sales leadership United, you'll see I'm beating my chest, like a gorilla, like King Kong, right? We're the biggest, we're the best. We're the, you know, and, and, and sometimes I found that the bigger the claim you make, the less believable you are. It, it is, is that something you've seen? Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it that much, but it makes sense. At the end, if the the bigger companies or the most competent companies, they just show what it means to work with them in terms of the story and in terms of their track record. They don't just make that claim, but they back it up. Show me. So don't tell me, show me. Exactly. I like that. So that's a good lens to start looking through as a leader. Are our people on our team showing or are we telling, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's one of the reasons that it's so important. And I'm sure that you get a lot of different ways that you see people using stories. What goes into crafting a good story? You said you got a lot of data, but you've also done a lot of training. Uh, like I, I think of a dude, there's a author in the United States, like back in the seventies named Kurt Vonnegut. And he's like this cult classic guy. He wrote some stories like Cats in the Cradle and stuff like that. And he was famous because he had this idea that you could predict the success of a story based on the shape of the emotions that it had. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to do a PhD on it and it was rejected. Mm -hmm. And then after he died and the computing power got better, some students did it and they found he was right. And that the, the most successful stories followed a fairly similar pattern. Is storytelling and sales in a similar type thing? Mm -hmm. It's very similar. The only thing that I would push back there is that the story structure that you want to use in sales, it should be very simple. The problem that a lot of people do when they tell stories is that they 
use these very complex story structures, like the, oh, here's the seven-step story structure, the nine-step story structure, the freaking 17 steps of the hero's journey. <laughs> I've seen that being taught. 17. <laughs> at the end, look, hey, a sales conversation, your story could be maybe up to two minutes, maybe three minutes if it's an incredible story. So you won't have the time to fit 17 steps. You won't have the time to fit nine steps. So this is why I'm a big fan of using a very simple one. And my one is a four-step story structure. So job one for a good story is it's got to be simple. But mm -hmm. it probably, um, like, this is interesting. I bet that being being compelling but simple is easy to say, hard to do. Is that is that fair? It's very hard, yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a famous quote. I, I'm going to get it wrong. I think it's Abraham Lincoln. I, it's probably someone else. And <laughs> our listeners will tell me who it is, where he said, if I had more time, I would have written a shorter paper. And um, <laughs> I, 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 someone will tell me who it is. But I think that's really important. Like, so you think 120 seconds. If you can't make your point in 120 seconds, you're going too long? Mm -hmm. Yep. So in there, I for my book, I analyzed the the best stories that I've recorded and I put them in a readability software and was also tracking the length of them. And what I found, it was one minute, 27 seconds were the best ones that I found. And these How do you know they're the best? How do you know they're the best? Based on outcome or based on what? What, what was it that when you looked at it, what made it be the best? Yeah, before looking at the, before looking at the, the specific components, I or the length, I ranked them. I ranked each one of the 71 stories that I listened to. I ranked them based on some of the elements that we'll talk about. And that was, okay, clear structure, emotions, surprise, visual moments, clear message at the end, clear characters. And I ranked them all across these categories. And I noticed that the best ones were all also the shorter ones. Can you give me the criteria again? I think that was really cool. So uh, like, I think every member of our audience may find that. What are the criteria that you ranked them on again? Mm -hmm. Sure. So we can talk about three ones because they will be very okay. interesting. Um, Let's go. One is emotions. The second yep. one is visual moments. And the third one is surprise. Which one do you want to go deeper in? All take, take us in all of them in order quickly. Like high level, yeah. we'll, like I, I'm notorious for saying, let's sit in that for a minute. Like <laughs> you got my attention now. So a good story for a salesperson has got to have emotion, some visual and some surprise. Okay. Let's talk about yeah. each one of them. Okay. Uh, let's start with emotions. Emotions, if any one of the listeners as well, think back to a childhood memory, right? Any memory that pops to your mind. Probably each one of you has something. Now, think how old were you there? And why do you think you remember that? It's not because of the data. It's not because of the facts. It's 100% because of the emotions. These can be pleasant or unpleasant emotions. But the reason why we remember something is because of the emotions. So if you want to be remembered in any way, and if you want to build this initial connection with someone, you got to bring in emotions. And let me share my favorite technique, how you can make any story more emotional. This Let's is called, go. This is called the inner dialogue. The inner dialogue is the thoughts that are going on in your head or in the character's head in the key moments of the story. We all have thousands and thousands of thoughts every day, right? A lot of these are anxious thoughts, worries, hopes, dreams, plans, 
Um, we have these crazy thoughts every day. If When you want to make your story more emotional, share some of these thoughts that are going on in your head. Example, instead of saying, um, oh, I was very nervous to give that presentation. You can say, oh, man, this, this will be so tough. Everyone will be looking at me and thinking that I don't, I shouldn't be there, right? That I should be, I, I don't deserve to be there. They will immediately spot they have no clue about this, right? One example. Or example um, that I was, let's say, very excited about the presentation. Instead of saying, oh, I was very excited to give that presentation, you can say, Oh man, this will be the best presentation that they've seen this entire evening. Probably the CEO Let's go. Come, Let's come go. up and walk, walk up to me and say, Philip, uh, you deserve to be promoted today. Right? It's some of these thoughts that make it more interesting, more emotional. So inner dialogue is a very powerful way to make any story more emotional. It's very easy. It doesn't take longer, but it just changes a little bit the language and it makes it much more compelling. So in sales, we're talking about then, so I want to translate this to sales, and that's where you are, it's story selling. And so that's one of the reasons that you're. this is such a great conversation for our listeners. Mm -hmm. When we're going to channel emotion, like you said, emotion makes it memorable. As I was listening to you, and I'm almost done with page one of notes, all the, by the way, so you're doing great. I was like, what's my farthest memory back? Because you said, what do you remember? And you're right. I, I was young. I wasn't quite for it. So my farthest memory back was my mother had said I couldn't go to kindergarten unless I could count to 100. And when I was four, I remember being outside on the front porch and I counted to 100. And I remember that feeling, that emotion of accomplishment. It was, like, But it was also like, whew, now I can go to kindergarten. For whatever reason, like I'm an old dude now, like between you and me, like I'm the senior citizen, Philip, and the AARP is trying to track me down. And, um, but I remember that because of the emotion of it. So in sales, are there some emotions that are particularly helpful in becoming memorable? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it depends a little bit on who's the main character. If the main character is the client, well, then it could almost be the client sharing his or her thoughts in that moment. So it's like, oh, they thought, oh, this is never going through. The product won't deliver. Whatever are the thoughts in that moment. So it could be emotion around the product, emotion around accomplishment of of a deal. I mean, mm -hmm. maybe what happens to my company, maybe maybe Phil's selling me something and I'm my emotion is, I'm worried I may not hit goal because goal is too big and I've got to grow. I can't just work harder. How do I help them get better? Are those examples of emotions? Yes. And interesting that you bring that up because the problem is that most people, when they want to make it emotional, they don't bring it back to the real emotions behind it. They're like, ah, oh, the client wanted a better product and that was really important to him. Yeah. <laughs> not the emotion behind it like why does it matter so much to the client to have that product well at the end it's always about okay maybe having more money is one but go deeper like okay they want to have abundance they want to buy i know a car for their mom maybe they want to go half year traveling so ideally bring it back to the emotions that really matter to that person i think that's got to be a really good skill so i mean that must be one of the things if we're going to be helping our people learn to be elite level storytellers we've got to learn how to get to emotion and and i imagine that that's going to be unique for each person but that's part of what will make the story so meaningful people mm -hmm. say i relate to that it was that same emotional 
sense of accomplishment or that same fear of this better not happen or whatever it is, right? And does that really come from practice and looking at a wider body of stories? Or is there like, how do you discover those things so you can prep for them? Any, any tips? Mm-hmm. So one is bringing in that uh, inner dialogue or the thoughts that we just talked about. And the other easy thing that you can always do in any story is always have the character have a certain goal or problem up front. So mm-hmm. when I introduce a, a problem, a, a story with saying, ah, Rob is really frustrated because it doesn't happen. And this brings him a lot of uh, frustration at home. Well, then this entire story will be about this. So the moment you bring in a goal or problem up front, well, then it's very easy to bring in emotions throughout the story. Dude, this is really good, Phil. I, I, I'm liking this. I can see how when we wrap this up towards the end, one of the good takeaways ought to be identifying for each problem we solve, what's not just the value around it, but what's the emotion that's connected to it, right? That's it, exactly. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it that way before. I've, I've thought a lot about what problems are we good at solving and why do they matter? But mm-hmm. I haven't gone to that next step of why do they matter and what's the emotion that's involved with it? Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so that's number one. So we want to have our once upon a time, make sure that it creates... Uh, connection to an emotion, if I'm understanding you correctly. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. All right. So let's get to number two. Okay. Let's go number to visual. What? Let's let's go. V- visual moments. Okay. So, the best stories transport your listeners into a different world, into the stories world. If you just talk in generic, like ah, oh, then this happened. Da, 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 well, then people are just still in the same world. But if you tell a well-crafted visual story, it feels to your listeners as if it was happening to them. In sales, this is so important because if you share a story about how you helped another customer solve a certain problem, it will feel to your listener as if it was their problem and you just solved it for them. So it is massively important to include visual moments in your story. Now, let me share my favorite technique to make your story more visual. My favorite technique that is so easy but so powerful is called outer dialogue. Outer dialogue refers to the the exact words that were used in that crucial moment of the story. What did one of the characters say in that crucial moment of the story? Let me give you some examples. So instead of saying, oh, yes, my customer was very upset that they um, that revenues were declining. You can say, in that moment, I received a call and Rob said, Philip, this is terrible. Our sales, they're down by 30%. If I don't do anything about that, I will lose my job today. See, so this or, for example, this was right now during the challenge. Another option at the end of the story, when everything turns out well, instead of saying, oh, yes, the customer really enjoyed working with us or the customer was very happy working with us, say three weeks later, I got a call by Rob and he said, wow, Philip, um, I don't think we've ever worked with someone so competent like you guys. Like With your help, I think we increased right now our, we doubled our revenue. Thank you so much. Do you see the difference? It's a tiny tweak, but it immediately makes it more visual. The beautiful yeah. thing about these dialogues is as well that it it's not bragging because oftentimes in sales, we're like, ah, oh, we're the greatest. And then the customer was happy. 
well, that's bragging. But if you just use the exact words of that customer, it's not bragging. It's just you telling that story. So it's extremely powerful. It's very simple, but so powerful. I like this. You're not, because you're not, like you said, we as salespeople, when we use our words, we often talk in hyperbole or we round up. Like I'm, you know, um, especially when you have like really demonstrative and emotive want people like me, like I'm very expressive when I work and I love sales. I think it's the greatest profession in the world, Phil. And I've had people say, yeah, well, guys like you, Rob, we know it's going to actually probably be take three times longer to get what we want. It's probably going to be three times more expensive. You know, guys like you, we have to dumb it down a bit. But when we speak in the language and voice in the words of our customers, you're far more credible. I would imagine this outer dialogue, this this technique, not only does it create visual moments, but I would imagine this is a credibility builder. Mm -hmm. Massive credibility builder. Just instant social proof. Yeah, credibility, I think, is something really hard. I, I don't like it when people say that as salespeople, we are trying to persuade people. We shouldn't be persuading. If we're in the persuasion business, I kind of think we're doing it wrong. I think we need to be in the connection business. And I love what you're saying, because if we can create credibility through the language we use and the visual story that we use, it does all kinds of things. It says that you have domain expertise. It says that you have, you know, you've seen problems like your, like the one that they're dealing with, not your first rodeo. It may be the first time that I'm looking at it as a customer, but you Phil, as the salesperson, you probably looked at this. You may have looked at this problem a hundred times, right? Yeah. I mean, all of those things I got to think are credibility builders. Yeah. And I think credibility is a massive, massive component on our ability to grow. Absolutely. Um, Anything else on creating visual moments? I really like that. That's a good one. On visual moments, this is my favorite one. The other one that one can use, and that is tied to emotions as well. Instead of saying she was happy, well, tell us, how does it look to be happy? Can you think of the words that you would use to describe a happy person, right? Usually that person would be smiling. Their eyes would be glowing. Maybe they're jumping up and down. So use the words that are much more visual. Or instead of saying, oh, that person was very nervous, you can say, well, that person, um, the legs were shaking, biting their lip, whatever other words, the visual words to describe that emotion. Love it. Thank you. Let's get to the last one. Surprise piles, man. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about that. I, I'm very excited to hear why about a little bit more about surprises and why that matters. <laughs> yeah. On surprise, let's imagine now that, and maybe a few of you have heard of that example, but let's imagine that you lived on the countryside and every day you're driving to work and every day you're just driving to work. You don't observe anything. You arrive at work, nothing specific happening. And as you drive to work, you see these cows, but you don't, you don't even recognize them. Well, one day you drive to work and on this side, you see this pink cow and you're like, whoa, pink cow, crazy. This is pink cow. I've never had a pink cow in my life. How's that possible? You arrive at work and you tell everyone about it and you're like, wow, this is so cool. Weeks later, weeks later, years later, you still remember that moment when you saw that pink cow. Well, that's surprise. 
That's something unexpected. That pink cow is what you want to have in your story. So anything that breaks that pattern, anything that breaks that pattern of what your listeners expect. Now, I've seen some super average stories land extremely well just because they had one major surprise moment in there. So for wow. you, just think, is there anything unexpected, anything that your listeners didn't see coming, anything that is a little bit unusual? And, uh, and that can be maybe, hey, your boss, I don't know, two weeks later, your boss called and said, Rob, you can pack your bags today. Well, that would be pretty surprising, but it doesn't have to be that extreme. It can also be just that I looked at the graph and I saw this drop off almost like, I think, 60% on one day. Crazy, right? That's already unexpected. Anything that is a little bit unusual does the job here. So is a surprise place a okay time to have some of that hyperbole? Like, is that, is, or do we still want to stay away from, I like the words you use, bragging. I, I guess bragging. Is bragging an easy trap to fall into that's still not a surprise? Or is that an okay place? Like, like I, I want to make sure I understand this. We've got a lot of people that are listening. I want to make sure that we really define surprises and we do it the right way. Because I got to imagine there's good surprises and not so good surprises, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, true. Mm, I would say I would still be absolutely truthful, right? Storytelling is not about bending the truth. Okay. So I would definitely continue with reality there. Now, where are the moments where you can have some good moments of surprise? It's usually in the challenge. So let's say you're just minding your business and then something unexpected happens. Maybe it's a customer calling you, telling you something completely weird or something unexpected. Maybe you notice something in the production process that it was completely messed up and that you need to fix. So usually these surprise moments um, happen in the challenge. That's the best part of that, right? It's something unexpected happened that you didn't see coming. So... I really like this one too. And, and the unexpected. So our, is the unexpected usually tied to what your offering does or what your process does, or does it not need to be just, there's a surprising thing and that makes the story memorable. Mm -hmm. The surprise can be in a lot of different things. So it can okay. be, it can be in your offer or it can be in how the client approaches you. Yeah, even the dialogue could be a surprise, right? If the client just says, um, Rob, we are fucked, right? <laughs> that would be a dialogue that would be pretty surprising because you'd be like, oh, okay, what's where is Didn't this? Expect that, yeah. Didn't expect that, yeah. Expect that. And you don't have to swear, obviously, for, for that, but you can also use dialogue that is very surprising. So surprise can come in the activity, it can come in the challenge, it can come in the reactions, it can come throughout. There are a lot of different places where you can include it. Okay. So to have those three put together, mm -hmm. obviously that's not a happy accident. That takes practice, that takes intentionality, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Like like I would imagine as you help people with storytelling, you've done it in a book, you've got some best practices. We're doing okay on time, though. We're going to run out of time. We got like 15 minutes left. I can't believe how fast the time went, Philip. <laughs> Man, we're going to have to have you come back for a part two. Um, any advice to sales leaders? Like, how do you equip your teams with either stories they can share or the ability to create stories that are meaningful. I, I, I would imagine either way is going to be good. Sometimes teams can equip them, say, here are the stories we want you to know. 
Like these are the stories about these things, or here's how you create good stories. What should a leader be doing to help their team be better storytellers? Okay, good one. This can be broken down. First one is more on the training piece, right? And there either it's internally or external just to provide a training where you train people on what type of storytelling they should be doing and what stories they should be telling. So I think this is the first step just to get everyone on the same level is equipping them to become great storytellers. That's step one. Let's say we've done that. You've done this with internal or external trainer. Then it's about nurturing that storytelling culture, right? And that's that's the tough part often because it's very easy for an organization just to say, ah, oh, here, if you're okay, we'll get a trainer. Now uh, everyone is trained and now you go. <laughs> But that's not how you can really change behaviors. So yeah. what you can do in these moments is to do a few things to continue working on these stories. One is most companies, they have either weekly or monthly meetups or get-togethers with marketing, sales, whoever it is. They're different recurring um, meetings in these in these meetings, it helps to spend maybe the first five to 10 minutes just to have someone within the team share a success story. And it doesn't have to be success story, it can be also a failure story, but just to give, make the space where people can share a story and are encouraged to share a story, that already puts it more on top of people's mind. So that's one, putting it on top okay. of meeting. The second like one is to create a central catalog, which is called a story bank, where the stories are being saved within the organization, safe and categorized. So that if I wanted to go right now and I'm like, oh, I have the meeting coming up right now on with this client in consumer goods and they have that and that problem, then I just go in that story bank, in this catalog of stories, I look for similar stories and I have already a story to pick from. So that's the second, is really to build this story bank internally that people can access with. And then the third one is to interview key sellers on their stories. Because one thing is a lot of people are just not aware of their stories. They're like, if you ask them, oh, tell me a cool story, they won't know because they don't think in their experiences as stories. So what you want to go out there is interview uh, certain sellers, ideally more successful seller, sellers on their experience. So you ask them, hey, well, tell me about a very um, a customer that was very happy working with us. What problems did they have first? How did we help them? What, how they were transformed? So you ask them a few questions to record them. Um, I think these are really good, Phil. And one of the things that I want to like sit in this last one for a second, I think it's important for you to share this. As leaders, we're going to have a lot more success if we don't require people to have their own stories. That's why I love the story bank. That's a lot, that's why I love interviewing and making part of the way you interact with your your people. Let's extract those those stories because if you can have a brand new rep selling with stories, that's got to accelerate your ramping time by eight to twelve months, probably depending on what you're selling, I guess. But but you don't have to build your own stories in order to be a story seller. Fair to say, or am I wrong? Fair, fair to say. Obviously, your own will always be the most impactful ones. But hey, there are incredible stories within the organization. It would be stupid not to make use of them, especially if you want to share something like, hey, what's so unique about your company? What makes you different? Well, these ones are so beautifully leveraged within the organization. So I know a little bit about storytelling and sales. I'm certainly not you, 
Um, and so I would value your perspective on this more than mine. When you hear about like a good story bank or the ability to like float stories to people so they can have it be the company story and not Phil's story, what percentage of organizations do you think are really good at that right now? Sales organizations? Almost none. <laughs> so if you were good at doing that, would you create a competitive advantage? Absolutely. Yeah. That's Absolutely. that's where I thought you would take it, but mm -hmm. I figured it would be somewhere around 15% and you said it's almost none. And I, I take your word for it. I think you know better than me because you do it every single day with mm -hmm. elite organizations. So so I think that's a good place for us to shift into to kind of start wrapping this up. And then, of course, we're going to give you time to let everybody know how to get your book and we'll put links in and how do they connect with you. But why is storytelling a competitive advantage for a sales work? Because as we're recording this, this is going to go live in the first part of the year. It's mm -hmm. going to go live in January. Now is the time for leaders to make sure what is our plan for making sure we we have success. Our job as leaders is to engineer the greatest year in company history, Phil, every single year. And, and we can't just grind our way to success. We've got to grow. We've got to get better. And I believe if storytelling is one of those things we choose to get better at, it can fuel growth to help us create the greatest year in company history. Do you agree? I guess, first of all, and second, is that a competitive advantage we're fighting for if you're a sales leader? Mm -hmm, absolutely it gives a competitive advantage if you're good at sales it will if you're good at storytelling it will increase your sales by uh, a meaningful amount now let me just share one example there because it just it is in story form i hope i hope it's story form phil <laughs> I, I actually wanted to share an experiment so not the story form but That's all uh, right let, let, let me share um I'm so just Philip, i'm playing with you right now sorry <laughs> no problem so storytelling is or sales is all about trust, right? And on this one, um, the neuroscientist or neuroeconomist Paul Zak ran an experiment. And in that experiment, he invited a bunch of volunteers to watch the video of a dying boy. But the video had two versions. One version was with a clear narrative arc with a story in there. The other video had no narrative arc, so no story. They took then the blood samples before and after the, the video. What they found is for the people that watched the video with the story, that they saw an increase in oxytocin. Oxytocin is that chemical. It's also called the love hormone. So um, when you tell a story, your listener's brain will release oxytocin, making them more likely to trust you, more open to your ideas, and more, more open to engage with you. So at the end, if, if you can just share a two-minute story, it has a beautiful effect. It will just make you wow. much trustworthy. And that's just what that experiment taught us. What a great story. I, I really like that. Let's, uh, let's shift because we have a few more minutes. I want to get an important thing done first. How do people connect to you? How do they get more of you? Where do they find your book? You're a good follow on LinkedIn. Like where do they learn what you have to offer and tap into the insights that you have? Because we have a worldwide audience that will absolutely benefit from more of what you have. Maybe some of them are going to want to take the conversation to you one-on-one. -on -one. How, how do they connect to you, man? 
Yeah. The easiest way to connect with me is on LinkedIn. Just send me a connection request. I'd love to have you in my network. So it's Philip Hum, H-U-M-M. And then second, check out my book. Yeah, The Story Selling Method. You can purchase it on Amazon. And third, lately I've been doing more and more YouTube videos. So if you want to see that me in action speaking there, then definitely check out my YouTube channel. There's tons of advice on how to become a, a charismatic speaker and a magnetic storyteller. All right. And we'll put those video, we'll put those links in the show notes, Phil. We'll we'll have links to your LinkedIn and to your book and and other assets that you want. We'll make it really easy. We don't want them to have to go looking for it. So so now that we've got that done, we've got probably five minutes left. Um, two things we'll finish with. Number one, is there any best practices? Like, is there like anything? Hey, because you listen to say, here's two, maybe three things that you'd say, leaders, start doing this right now. Is there anything you start? And then along with it, here's one or two things stop doing right now. Is there anything that you would share to our audience like that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. On start right now, I would do one exercise that I learned in another book, which is called uh, Story Worthy from Matthew Dix. It's called Homework for Life. And Homework for Life is an exercise where you sit down every day and ask yourself, what was the one moment that stood out? The one moment that touched my heart. And so you sit down every single day and you just note down this one moment. Now, why do you do that? Well, it gives you a pool of stories. You do that for a consistent time. You do that for one week, two weeks, and for the rest of your life, and you will have many, many stories you can tell. The number one blocker that prevents people from telling stories is that they think that they don't have enough stories. And so by noting down that one moment mm -hmm. every single day, you will have a pool of stories that you can use throughout life, and not only in personal life, but also in business. So that's definitely the one thing that I recommend to people to do. And the second thing uh, that I recommend people not to do is, or to avoid, is that thrive for perfectionism. I know myself, when I started on the storytelling journey, I always wanted my stories to be perfect. I always thought, ah, oh, let me craft this TED type of story that I can use then, and everyone will just be, wow, so impressed. And by doing that, I, I was just, I didn't improve as a storyteller. I just stayed at the same level and I couldn't build a connection. So in hindsight, and what I recommend to everyone, just share your maybe imperfect stories. If you prepare them only 10 minutes, it will probably be already better than 99% of the stories that other people tell. So I encourage you, don't go for perfection, but rather thrive to share some imperfect stories because they help you connect even more with your audience because they want authenticity. Okay, I love it. Um, that was the first thing I was going to ask you. Here's the second thing I'm going to ask you, and, and this is going to be a great way to end. Do you have, like, if you were to look back on everything we talked about, this this 45 minutes went by fast, Phil. I hope it went fast for you. I can't believe it was like, boom, I blink my eyes and it's over. I always like to ask people to have a final thought. Like, so you gave us what to do. You gave us what not to do. Those are really good advice. If you were going to summarize, have a final thought to 50,000 sales leaders all around the world, maybe put a bow on what we just talked about. You got a, you got like a final thought for everybody who's listening and, and wants to do what will be the title of this. How do I stand out with stories, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The final thought is just believe that you can tell great stories as well. Because right now, obviously, this is my profession. 
but I used to be a terrible storyteller. I used to be a terrible public speaker and I learned the techniques and the techniques, they're not, you don't have to be this natural storyteller, which a lot of people believe you have to. You just got to put in the reps. And if you spend every day, maybe five minutes thinking about that moment and improvising a story on the spot, you'll be a great storyteller. You'll be a better storyteller than 99% of the people if you just spend these five minutes every day. And that within a few weeks. What a great piece of advice. Small changes, man. And here's why I love that, Phil. And this would be a perfect way to finish. In sales, if your, if your customers think you're 1% better than, or you're 1% more memorable, to your point, than your competitors are. You don't get 1% more of the business. If you're 1% better than your competitor you're up against or 1% more memorable, or you make 1% more impact, you get 100% of the deal. So mm -hmm. that teeny tiny improvement, like you talked about, five minutes here, because most of your competitors aren't doing that. If you can get just a little better at how you tell stories so you can connect. And I bet you if we had you back on, you could have help us know, like, what are all the types of stories? I bet you there's types of stories. We, got. we just ran out of time because this other stuff was so rich. Mm -hmm. We ought to have stories for every part of the sales process, I would imagine. How we connect, how we correct, how we, all kinds of stuff. And so, Phil, I want to thank you. His name is Philip Hum. He's written a, a worldwide bestseller. Uh, story selling. I, I hope you'll check it out. I hope you'll go connect with him and his firm. Uh, he, he helps us become more memorable, have more credibility, create more impact. And at the end of the day, uh, create, get off to a faster start with those customers that we work with uh, because they don't have to send you through a battery of tests on if they can trust you or not, because they will trust you and believe you faster if you are a more competent and effective storyteller. So Phil, on behalf of 50,000 sales leaders all around the world, thank you for an hour of your time. Thank you for so many incredible insights. And I wish you nothing but success in this year and beyond. Thanks, my friend. Thank you so much. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, this episode is brought to you by Sales Leadership United. Sales Leadership United has had so much growth, and I am so grateful to each of you who have chosen to check it out. The purpose of Sales Leadership United is simple. I want to give you access to the largest collection of sales leadership assets in the world. Listen, I coach over 100 sales leaders. They're in big companies, new companies, every industry. These are people that are new to leadership, new to their companies, and they're people that are the most seasoned sales leaders in the world that have a lot of tenure in their companies. But every single one of them wants to grow. Every single one of them wants to accelerate. Every single one of them wants to be elite. And every single one of them is asking for more tools, insights, and perspective. They ask me questions like, Rob, how are we creating systems? How do you create foundations? How do we change faster? How do we coach better? How do we lead up? How do we manage up effectively? How do I connect to a totally different generation? But the number one question I get, what are other leaders like me doing to solve problems like the ones I'm facing right now? And that's why you got to check out Sales Leadership United. You're going to find tools, training, and techniques, perspectives that can come only from the benefit of thousands of hours of leaders, work with other leaders from all around the world. If you haven't checked it out yet, head to salesleadershipunited.com. Use the code Rob at the checkout and get a free trial on me. Now, I love the conversation with Philip. 
Listen, the guy is one of the top storytelling experts in the world, and I hope you got a sense of why today. I spent a lot of time preparing for this conversation, and I spent even more time following up, looking at his resources afterwards. I love his approach to storytelling. And Philip is right. It is a very, very noisy world right now. Everyone is communicating. Everyone is fighting for attention. And so the question isn't, what do I need to, it, it isn't like how often do I need to connect or what does the channel need to be? The real question is how do you connect? Communication is not equal to connecting. Communicating and connecting are not the same thing. That's an important thing for you to write down. It's an important thing for you to think about. Connecting is something we need to become elite in if we want to have next level impact. So when Philip shares that we can become more memorable, that we can stand out, that we can be more than just more of the noise, all by telling stories, he's right. And this is something every single one of us should be intentional about. We're in a world that's wor where working harder is not the recipe for success. I'm going to say that again in a different way. We're in a world right now where doubling down on activity management or grinding is not the right way to go. More often than not, that's a recipe for burnout. What we do want to double down is growth. We need to grow. We need to improve. We need to get better, not grind harder. Listen, this is one of those things that separates rookie effectiveness levels of leadership from advanced levels of leadership impact. Rookie impact or advanced impact are really interesting terms, and they have nothing to do with how long you've been in a leadership position. What it has is everything to do with how you create impact. And one of the most important things we need to do as leaders, if we want to create impact, is to be able to connect. Connect before you correct. And, and this idea of creating more impact is a really important lens for every one of us to look through. Listen, as I record this, we're finishing up January. We're going to be going into February. Um, it's important that we evaluate ourselves as leaders to say, am I communicating or am I connecting? I am having so many growth over grind discussions right now. I'm still doing SKOs every week. I'm going to be in Boston this week. And this conversation of growth over grind and how we choose growth has become a really fun talk track and really fun question and answer and a really fun workshop uh, concept. How do we choose growth rather than grind? Well, what you need to do is pick the skills that are difference makers and get better at them. One of them might be creativity. One of them might be follow-up. One of them might be how we create belief. Uh, one of them for sure is how do you connect? That is for sure one. And that means one of the skills that you need to be looking at if we want to choose growth over grind is storytelling. Ask yourself things like, what are the stories we need to have? How do we create a story bank? How do we create an environment where every member of the team can benefit from a collective group of stories rather than just their own stories? This is a skill you got to be intentional about. This is not one you want to just be opportunistic with or case by case with. If you want to create better storytelling, then you're going to need to create an environment where storytelling thrives. So ask yourself, how do you create a storytelling greenhouse? Are you talking about the stories in meetings and one-on-ones? Are you sharing the stories as they emerge and deconstruct them? Are you matching key experiences to stories that people can connect with? Listen, if you build that environment, if you train on how to use the stories, if you make storytelling part of the call planning and call debriefing process, if you make these things that you celebrate, then you're going to see your team become more memorable very, very quickly.
because they will differentiate themselves based on how they sell. Because instead of just communicating, which everyone does, they will be connecting, which very few people do. Connection, write that one down. Connection is one of the most important things storytelling will do for you. So be intentional about it. Choose growth in storytelling and those on your team will, refar, will rely far less on the grind. So Philip, thanks so much for joining me, brother. Thank you for sharing your insights. Congratulations on the wild success of your practice, your book, and the impact you're having as you go share your insights worldwide. My advice to all of the listeners to the show is be sure to connect with Philip. Check out his resources. Use the links in the show notes, and we will help uh, make it so easy for you to get everything Philip has to offer. You can grab his book. You can subscribe to his newsletter, or you can shoot him a question, all in the links that are provided. And then be sure to head to Sales Leadership United for video clips of this conversation with Philip and hundreds of other sales leaders. I promise you, you'll find them helpful, valuable, and it will help fuel your leadership journey. Finally, thanks to each of you, our listeners. The greatest compliment you can give us is to share the show with those you work with. Introduce them to the Sales Leadership Podcast. Leave us a review on iTunes, and you can support the show by checking out Sales Leadership United. Head to Patreon and check it out. You'll be glad you did. Thank you for your support of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Our job as sales leaders is to create life-changing years for the people we lead. If you liked this message, please share it this week with someone who needs to hear it. And then get after it because life is short. We got no guarantee of what comes tomorrow. Maximize what you do today. Be elite, live strong, and chase your passions, and do your best work so you can live your best life. And don't ever forget, you got this, and I got you. Have a terrific week. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.